Collegiately speaking. And we're underway. Needs a block on the picker. He gets it. And will he go the distance? Yes, he will. Touchdown, Michigan State. As the Hokies deliver the dagger here in Tallahassee. Intercepted by the Wildcats. The Wildcats win. Unbelievable. Here's Collegiately Speaking, your one-stop shop for college football news. Collegiately Speaking. With Dave Eddy and former Northwestern quarterback Dan Person. How much you want to make a bet I can throw a football over the mountain? Collegiately Speaking. And welcome to the second edition of Collegiately Speaking for the 2018 season. You probably could throw... Uh, football over a mountain. Depends how the, big of a mountain and how far away it was, but most Pennsylvania likely. Pennsylvania guy. Right. They're not too big there. It's not the Rockies. <laughs> That's right. The Poconos. Right. You could throw them a football over a Pocono. <laughs> uh, we two weeks down in uh, college football. Some interesting developments. We're still a ways from the, the full-fledged beginning of Big Ten football, which is a couple of weeks away, though. Uh, but still... And we, I think we're starting to get a handle on how things are shaping up. Who are the teams that you really got to look out for? Who are the teams that are not off to the kinds of starts they had hoped? And uh, you look back at last weekend, Dan, we saw some examples of that. Northwestern, Michigan State, Nebraska in their first game under Scott Frost. Let's talk about your alma mater, Northwestern first, and their game against the Duke Blue Devils. Uh, two in a row for Duke in this series, but a much different game this year. Obviously, a very rough start for Northwestern. Um, actually, well, not a rough start. They had a, they came out great. They you know drove down the field and um, put seven points on the board fairly easily, kind of like the Purdue game. And uh, you know Northwestern loves to script the first couple drives, and the scripts have been working. It's when they have to go off script that they really struggle. And you know to see the the offense sputter out, the defense. You know they, I thought they played well the majority of the game. They were just put in some tough positions with, you know turnover on downs, turnovers, and big plays, but I, I thought they did okay. It was just the offense that really couldn't convert on third and fourth down and couldn't finish drives. You know what it reminded me of a little bit was the Bears game on Sunday night, except uh, the defense gave them a chance in the second half, and the offense took it down close, couldn't score a couple of times, had some nice drives in that third quarter of that game. Um, but uh, clearly, they've got to figure it out quickly. They have Akron coming up this week a night game at Ryan Field, then a bye week, and then back to the Big Ten against Michigan. What I would think would give them some encouragement, even in a after a bad loss, is the fact they've got that one Big Ten win in their pocket already. It helps. It helps. And that should give them a lot of confidence. Mm-hmm. I think another thing that, that was probably overlooked is everybody kind of took their turn making mistakes on offense. It was a drop ball here, a missed block there, a missed throw, an interception. But, you know, they still have all their goals ahead of them in the Big Ten. Like you said, 1-0. and um, You know, hopefully they get a great win against Akron this weekend, and then they'll be off to the races against Michigan. But you know, it's it's a concerning red flag, as we kind of talked about with some teams last week, to, to really play so poorly against Duke. Well, let's go back to uh, another game last weekend. And you and I talked here last week about Michigan State not looking great against Utah State, able to pull out a win. And also, and I think you suggested going to Arizona State, playing at night in Tempe. It was 103 degrees at kickoff. And, yeah, they overcame that. They were able to hang in there in this game. But, ultimately, it came down to a field goal. To give Arizona State the win. Snap is good. 
And the Sun Devils pull out the victory over the Spartans. Tough loss for them on the road. Again, not entirely unexpected, though, when you consider the circumstances. And it really makes you wonder, you know, did, did those thoughts creep into the players? I'm sure we weren't the only, you know, brainiacs coming up with all those excuses with the late start and the heat and going across the country. So you got to wonder if it crept into some of the, the kids' minds, and I'm sure Coach D'Antonio is is not going to make that excuse valid. Um, but kind of like we talked about last week, we didn't want to overreact to a close game against Utah State and, you know, a close game with with Penn State, but now that it's two weeks in a row with Michigan State, you're like, all right, well, you know, this, this these are a couple of red flags that you need to pay a little bit more attention to. I, I know Coach Herm Edwards is is a great coach and you know a lot very enthusiastic and has those guys playing hard, but Arizona State, you know, isn't isn't a team that you know one would think could play with Michigan State. Well, remember one thing though: this Michigan State team last year they won ten games. Two years ago they struggled, even though it's not like they had had a tremendous amount of turnover personnel-wise. So you kind of wonder if that doubt starts to creep in when you get off to kind of a shaky start when so much is expected when you're ranked very high going into the season. Now they got to figure it out kind of quickly. That's fair and it's it's more than anything just preseason polls. It's, you know, us looking at preseason polls and thinking, okay, well, the media and the AP thinks they're going to be, you know, a top 10 team. They're automatically a top 10 team. And I, you can't, I think a lot of, a lot of pundits have, have said, you know, there's no point of releasing polls until the fifth, sixth, seventh week. And that would be a pretty strong move. And I think a lot of people will be against it, but you know, we just, we, we make too many judgments on what we hear in the off season and what people tell us for the first couple of weeks. And then there is uh, Nebraska. They played their first game at home. Uh, they, their first game, as it turned out, because their uh, season opener against Akron uh, was canceled because of the weather problems. They had the long weather delays out in Lincoln. So they play Colorado. It's an old Big 12 rivalry. They used to play it on the day after Thanksgiving or that weekend. And uh, always a great matchup in the old days. You could tell Colorado, which has had its challenges going into the Pac-12, really wanted this one in Lincoln. But the Cornhuskers in their first game under Scott Frost, I thought, Dan, they looked pretty good. The loss of their quarterback, Adrian Martinez, really set them back. Definitely a fun team to watch. I think, you know, Scott Frost, as a, as a former player, is, is a guy that you you want to play for just the way he encourages players to to make plays isn't like you know a, a scream at you guy but you know outside of a couple a couple mistakes here and there self-inflicted I thought Nebraska played really well I thought I was really impressed with Martinez you know both throwing the ball and running ball for a true freshman I, I was really impressed against you know a power five team like Colorado and the defense played well you know they just made some some kind of dumb mistakes at the end of the game to, to continue to let Colorado stay in and, and then ultimately win the game but you, you look back and the in the third and fourth quarters, it's some of those third and longs that Colorado converted. They were they were great plays. They they weren't. It wasn't like outside of the one penalty, uh, the personal foul. They were. It was a good throw and catch that you know that receiver played really well. And he's a first round guy when you when you look at him, six two strong guy. Yep. Uh, he's he's a really good player. Um, so you know I think it's encouraging, but moral victories are tough to stomach especially at nebraska when you know when optimism is so high they've got to troy this week more about that coming up and then there's wisconsin and the badgers looked even better in their second game to the five yard line of the lobos on second down handoff jonathan taylor off the right side inside the five taylor to the end 
zone. Touchdown, Wisconsin. Second of the day for Jonathan Taylor as the Badgers get some breathing room late to the third quarter. And they rolled. That's Matt LaPay on the Badger Network. And they rolled over New Mexico on Saturday uh, by a final score of 45-14. to And Taylor is off to a tremendous start. He was getting a lot of Heisman hype before the season, and I don't think we've seen anything the first couple of games to think it wasn't warranted. He looks unbelievable. I think we, we still have to temper our expectations a little bit. Uh, again, no offense to the first teams, two teams they play, but they're not playing Big Ten or, you know, big power five schools just yet but you look at at taylor he just looks like you know such an improved player from last year he looks leaner he looks faster and with that offensive line it's you know they can control the ball so well and even when they get in the big 10 play it's you know who's going to stop that on a, on a consistent basis i remember when when we would prepare for wisconsin as an offense you know the best the best defense against a, a, a an offense that holds the ball like that is sustained drives. It's how long can you hold on to the ball so they don't have it for, you know, 75% of the game. And if teams can do that and, and make Wisconsin, you know, try to play catch up, which they never do, I think that's the only way people are going to be able to stay with them or, 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 you know, beat them at the end of the day. They've got BYU coming up, another game at home this week. We'll talk more about the schedule upcoming. Let's jump ahead. Iowa and Iowa State. This has been an intriguing matchup. Of course, the the uh, in-state rivalry last year was a really high-scoring game. Uh, this year was anything but. It was a defensive struggle, and you're kind of wondering, Iowa's letting Iowa State hang around at Kinnick Stadium, but the Hawkeyes finally break it open. They're going to go in a hurry. It's Sargent off the left side. He's smelling that goal line. Touchdown! Touchdown, Iowa! As Mackay Sargent and Brandon Smith, their first big plays as Hawkeyes. And 13-3, to the final in that one. So Iowa out of the gate with a couple of nice wins over Northern Illinois. And now Iowa State, and they get another in-state rival, Northern Iowa, this week. What do you like about the Hawkeyes? I think there's consistency. They're not blowing the doors off of any of these teams. And that's that's kind of how Iowa has always played. It's it's you know similar to Wisconsin. Control the ball. Don't make a ton of mistakes and win win the game at the end of the day. But it's it's got to be encouraging. You know, you, you blow out Northern Illinois, and then you, you get a great win again. Against um, you know a really good Big Twelve team, it's it's encouraging. You just wonder, you know, when you play games that tight, the margin of error just shrinks so much. So one fumble or one interception here or there can cost you the game. When if you can, you know, score twenty one points in a quarter, you're not as worried about those mistakes. Some other uh, Big Ten teams that fared pretty well this past week. Uh, Michigan with a bounce back after the loss to Notre Dame. They blew out uh, Western Michigan. Maryland off to a 2-0 start. They go on the road and beat uh, Bowling Green, or they they played Bowling Green, I should say. Uh, 45-14 was the final in that one. Another great win. Um, you got to be happy. This is kind of a, a great story starting off the year, overcoming a lot like we talked about last week and getting a great solid sound win against Bowling Green not to say it was too unexpected but they they did what they were supposed to do it wasn't close it's a MAC team that they should you know jump out ahead of pretty quickly and I'm it's hard not to root for these guys the way they've come together and you know you you want to see them do well that was a road win for them by the way and and then you had uh, Indiana playing an ACC team at home and and holding off Virginia that was a tighter game and it wasn't one of those offensive shootouts we're used to seeing from indiana over the years they used their defense to win that game in the rain too i think um you know 
Indiana's always struggled on the defensive side of the ball. They 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 figured it out here and there on on offense just with their spread attack and their talent. But it's a huge step in the right direction uh, for Coach Allen to have um, a, a solid defense, and that's what you need to compete consistently at the Big Ten in the Big Ten at the end of the day. Tougher test for Minnesota, but they were up to it again. They look good. They look really good. Again, I was impressed by the the quarterback play. Um, he just the, the freshman looks very polished. Um, it was another tight game, and he got worried towards the end there uh, when Fresno was driving and but it was another big play by Winfield in the end zone and a great close win uh, again another program win who a Fresno state, uh, state team that not a ton of people know about but it's a really good team they, they're they're always good they're always competitive and they'll do well in their conference this year so another huge win for Minnesota everybody's saying Minnesota doesn't have a quarterback well maybe they do I think he's pretty impressive um, he can sling it you know hopefully he doesn't make some you know freshman mistakes uh, down the road in, in big Ten play but I, I'm impressed by both you know both of the the, the you know new quarterbacks for Minnesota and, and Nebraska especially how young they are. You know, you look at the top teams in the Big Ten, Dan, and they had blowout wins this week. Ohio State's had a couple of them now. I mean, they score 77 in their opener. They come back with 52 against Rutgers, 52-3. to It was, I think, 28 nothing. I want to say, in the first quarter. But that game was over early in Columbus. Again, not entirely unexpected. Penn State, though, playing Pittsburgh. That's another in-state rivalry game uh, in Pitt and and Penn State. It was close for a while. It was it was back and forth a little bit, and then boy, they just took total control of that game. Absolutely, I think starting with Ohio State, um, they're one of the teams in the Big Ten that clearly just has a lot more talent. I mean, Penn State's probably the closest team to them talent-wise, but they're just so much more talented than you know the majority of the teams they play. And they did what they were supposed to do again. And having you know Coach Meyer um, involved in the game plan was obviously huge for them. Um, and Penn State, as we talked about earlier. Kind of a red flag with Appalachian State that we were not, didn't want to overreact to, but a little worried about. And then they show up against Pitt um, in, a, in a huge rivalry game and, and kind of blow the doors off them towards towards the end of the the game. So you know, I, I think it's they're going to be at the top of the East like everyone expected. You know, there's uh, a couple of teams. Illinois is off to a two and zero start. They beat Western Illinois at home. We'll talk about them a little bit because they're playing in Chicago this weekend. Purdue is the only 0-2 team in the Big Ten. I don't think too many people would have expected that. And uh, the way they've lost these two games, uh, granted, Northwestern got up on them early and had a 14-point lead at halftime, but then a, a critical personal foul late in that game. And then another one this week against Eastern Michigan, even more costly for them. It's tough to see. And, you know, you could sense when you watch the, the postgame interview, you could sense how frustrated Coach Brom was. And, you know, I think more than anything, they had such such momentum going into the season. The fan base was behind them, as we saw at the Northwestern game. And everybody was kind of back on the Purdue bandwagon. And for them to start, you know, so poorly. And, you know, it's not like they, they, they're not playing great, but at the same time, you know, you can you can forgive some of those errors, a mispass here, a mistake there. You can't forgive stupid penalties at the end of the game that you know ultimately cost you games. And I think that's why Coach Brom is is so frustrated. I'm sure the kids are are hearing about it this week. And unfortunately for Purdue, the way the schedule sets up, this game Doesn't coming get much up easier, the game yeah. coming up this week was supposed to be one that they were going to showcase a night game at home against Missouri, and it's a Missouri team that is developing kind of nicely and this is going to be a very difficult game for them tough sliding across the board and like you said they they 
they hoped they could get off to a, a starter, a faster start. Um, but you know, it, it, after Missouri, it doesn't get e- easier either. I mean, they get they jump into the Big Ten and maybe a non-conference game here or there. But um, it's unfortunate the way they've started, and hopefully, you know, you know, for Coach Brom and the rest of the Big Ten that they can you know get it back on the right direction and, right. and pull some positives. Let's look at some of the other matchups coming up this weekend. Uh, I mentioned Purdue, Missouri, Ohio State going on the road for the first time, and it's facing a ranked opponent for the first time in TCU. That's not always an easy game uh, to play. It's not an easy place necessarily to play. They are Ohio State. They are really good. But like everybody in college football, when you go on the road, things are different. College game day's there. Huge game in Fort Worth. Um, It's still hot. Still very hot mm-hmm. down in Fort Fort Worth, um, and and they're a really good team. Uh, you know, Coach Patterson is is one, always one of those coaches that has a disciplined football team. They play hard, and they're going to do the right things. And they had you know a great start to the season. So yeah, it's, it's kind of Ohio State's first true test uh, of the season, and I'm interested to see how they play. I think they'll probably be more talented than TCU, but. Um, I would imagine it's a closer game than yeah, the first two. They're going to be playing in Ezekiel Elliott's home stadium, too, at right. AT&T Stadium. Right. Uh, we've got uh, the game here, and I know you're going to do this game for BTN this week, uh, Northwestern against Akron on Saturday night in Evanston. Uh, Wildcats done pretty well in non-conference night games lately, and they've got uh, an Akron team, which is not the old Akron Zips coming in. This team under Terry Bowden has been pretty good. They're very talented, and, and obviously, in my preparations for the game, they they it was tough to see that the first game canceled against Nebraska because um, you know no offense to Morgan State, but they they just aren't the caliber of a Akron team, and, and they played well. Um, a couple mistakes here and there. Coach Bowden talked about you know they're in, introducing a lot of youth in the lineup, so there were some mistakes, but you know they were proud of how they how they competed, how they played, and yeah, I think it's it's a huge bounce back game for Northwestern. I, my one fear in following the team and then obviously playing there is um, you know does Northwestern play too safe? Do they close up the playbook? Do they you know think that they can just breeze by Akron because you know a couple of years ago they had a rough start against some some non conferences or the the non conference teams in West. Western, Western Michigan and Illinois State, and you know you don't want to see that happen again. That's that's a way for for Northwestern to lose a ton of momentum, and, and you need as much as you can get going into the Big Ten play. Well, last year they were in the same situation. They came off a blowout loss at Duke, came home and uh, played. I believe it was I think it was Bowling, uh, Bowling Green, Green yeah. at Ryan Field, and it was pretty much a blowout right so and and that got them going that started their winning streak so you would hope that maybe they could get the same kind of thing going this weekend against akron uh illinois i mentioned boy they've they've had a tough their wide receivers have had a tough mikey dudek they lost him we talked about that last week and uh edwin carter i don't know if you saw the touchdown catch that he made. It was his second touchdown against Western Illinois on Saturday night. It was as good a catch as you're going to see. He went up high, grabbed the ball, came down, and he came down. He was kind of somersaulted, came down head first, and it looked like he landed on his head and neck. And it was it was really because he was down. What it turned out was it was knee injury, and he's done for the season. Um, thankfully, not his neck, even though it, it, it looked like a really scary thing. I don't know how he held on to the ball because uh, the way he landed. But uh, Illinois was able to figure things out and get a win over Western Illinois, and now they get uh, South Florida, and that game's at Soldier Field. 
you really feel for for Coach Smith and and the Illinois team. It's you know they they have they had a great start with two and zero, and you know you don't want to see the injury bug this early, and especially before Big Ten play. And then you know I think they wanted to carry a lot of momentum. They they're similar to Northwestern. They're trying to capture a lot of the Chicago market by playing in in Soldier Field, and you just hate to see kids that work so hard in the off season and make great plays like the one you just described, and then you know go down to injury. And I think they've had some injuries at quarterback as well. And um, you know for a team that's trying to get over that hump, trying to get some momentum going, the last thing you need is is injuries because there's just you know depth issues at the end of the day. Um, so hopefully you know they have some good players stepping up and uh, they can bounce back or, or at least you know play well against South. Florida. All right, some of the other matchups coming up this weekend. Uh, you've got Indiana playing a Ball State. That game is uh, in Bloomington. Uh, Maryland is at home to play Temple. Nebraska's home to play Troy. They're not the, the matchup this week that, that maybe people will get really excited about. Uh, Penn State plays a home game this week as well. And uh, the Nittany Lions coming back to take on Kent State. Uh, Rutgers goes on the road to play Kansas after getting blown out uh, against Ohio State. Michigan against SMU. Minnesota hosting Miami of Ohio. I mentioned Wisconsin and BYU. That's kind of an interesting matchup, I think, for the Badgers, who you know, eventually are going to get tested a little more than they have so far. And BYU is a great team, so I, I agree. I think, you know... It- while we were loving on on Wisconsin as a team right now, um, they just haven't been tested. And BYU is another step up from their from their first two games until they get into Big Ten play. So I, I'm very interested to watch them play that game. And uh, we mentioned Missouri playing at Purdue, Ohio State, TCU. It's a bye week for Michigan State. Probably not a bad yeah, week good, for them good to timing. have a bye. Uh, Notre Dame is playing Vanderbilt this week, and the Irish have certainly looked good in their first two games. Um, and let's get to one of the stories uh, of the past week, Dan, and it was at his Tuesday news conference that Northwestern coach Pat Fitzgerald was talking about the RPO, the run-pass option, which has become so fashionable uh, in college football. Now we're seeing it in the NFL. More and more the Bears were running right. it the other night against the Green Bay Packers. Um, but you know Fitz. I mean, he's your former coach. Right. He's an old defensive guy. <laughs> uh, Would have uh, played probably pretty well in the in the bow and woody era right. of big 10 football clearly not a fan of the rpo or the rules that <laughs> enable uh the rpo to succeed and so he came up after some questioning by my partner on northwestern broadcast ted albrecht a former offensive lineman uh, fitz came up with a rather interesting statement about the RPO. Yeah, it's communism. I mean, it, I mean, it's a pure, RPO is the purest form of communism. I mean, I don't understand how offensive linemen can be downfield. I know. Well, I know. Well, it used to be when you and I played. When you tripped and fell down, it was an illegal man downfield. Now, if you're just an uncovered lineman and you go 2.3 yards, it's not a penalty. But if you go three, it is, and nobody can see it till after the ball's thrown. So, again, it's the rules. You get you can you can complain all you want. I mean, if I want to get it fixed, I guess I can beg to get on the rules committee. But uh, it's it's the most in vogue change I think in football. That if you're a purist of football, it's not the game. It's not. I mean, people downfield blocking and the ball being thrown should be illegal. But as a defensive head coach with defense in my background, we will absolutely 100% take full advantage within the frameworks of the rules that are given to us. So RPO forever. 
RPO. RPO forever. Words I don't think we ever expected to hear him say. Right. You know, Coach, I love Coach Fitz, but he goes off on, on some tangents sometimes. And, and he's having fun with right, it. I right, mean, right. people took it. What's he talking about? Communism. Yeah. He's having a little fun. Don't overreact. I, I think, you know, RPO, that it's an innovation in the game at the end of the day. The game has been changing. I love Coach Fitz. The game's changed a lot, and it will continue to change. And the, the rules. Well, look at the will, zone read. Right. It's, right. it's just another iteration of the zone read, and it's. Creative coaches will come up with plays that fit into the rules that make it impossible for defenses to defend. That's their job. It's no longer a guessing game where you call a play in the huddle and the defense defense calls a play in the huddle and they just hope they have the right call. You know, as you know, innovation improves, you have reads, you have players looking back to the sideline to adjust their play based on you know what the defense is playing, and that's why you have audibles. So you know, it's less quarterbacks making the audibles; it's more the the coaches on the sideline, but. I love Fitz, but he's it's if you're gonna complain about it so much, why don't you do it more? <laughs> Take advantage of it. And I think that's what he alluded to at the end of his statement. All right, who's got the uh, toughest test, do you think, this week? I think you gotta go uh Ohio State TCU, you know, in in Jerry World, um against a really, really good TCU team. It's Ohio State's first test of the season. I think they'll I think they'll pass. Um, but you know, not having Coach Coach Meyer is still something that is you know detractor from them. last game. Yeah, for, from them playing well. So definitely, definitely that game. Um, I think they'll still win because at the end of the day, they're just more talented than ninety five percent of the teams they'll play. Um, so it's going to be the toughest game of the Big Ten, though. All right, and uh, who's got the easiest game this week? You think? I think you got to go Northwestern Akron. Um, you know, a Mac school. Northwestern is coming off a, a tough loss. You got to think they're they're going to be motivated to to you know get a big win. So I think that's that's my my call there. They've still won nine of their last ten games right, and twelve right. of the last sixteen. So it's it's not like they fall off the cliff by losing this one game. Agreed, agreed. But the, still... the, the fashion they lost it. To, you know, yeah. no energy, a lot of mistakes, not a ton of enthusiasm. It, it, it's definitely a red flag, but I agree. They're still on a very, you know, winnable stretch. All right, well, it's time now, Dan, for the highlight of this podcast every week. It's the Super Joe Prediction of the Week. Do we have a big produced open for this yet, Joe? Not yet. Not yet, no. All right, what you got, Super Joe? Well, I agree with Dan that the best game of the week is at uh, the Jerry Dome and with TCU and OSU. It should be a a tight, tight game, but that's one that I'm staying away from. I'm actually going right down the street, Soldier Field, I'm saying uh, the Southern Florida Bulls cover a 10-point spread against Illinois. Like you said, injuries to the wide receiving core. You know, Blake Barnett, who started his career at Alabama, is completing 70% of his passes for the Bulls. I see them covering the spread. Okay, that's a good I think that's a good pick. That'll be an interesting game to follow and see how much in year uh, three under Lovey Smith, how much progress have the Illini made, and maybe we'll get some start to get some answers on that on Saturday. So that's going to do it for this edition of Collegiately Speaking. Dan, thanks. We'll do it again next week. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks to Super Joe for his production and his predictions. I'm Dave Ennett. Don't forget Northwestern and Akron on the radio this week on ESPN 1000 uh, beginning at 6 o'clock on Saturday. And you can hear Dan's call on TV on BTN. Thanks for being with us. We'll talk to you next week.